Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, called The Mystery of Marriage. Now hold that thought and go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3, so back of the New Testament now. 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, what Peter's been doing is he's been talking about how we are to be submissive in different areas of life. And he starts, uh, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, just for context's sake. He says, submit yourselves, verse 13, 1 Peter 2, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. Okay, so submit to government. That's verse 13. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 18. Servants, be submissive to your masters. Now we often say that this translates to employee-employer relationships with all respect, not only those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, and the context is with God, if for the sake of conscience toward God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Now, if you skip down, this is verse uh, 23, and it's talking about Jesus. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Christ, even though he ultimately suffered unjustly, he's the ultimate sufferer of unjust treatment. He endured it. And what he did is he kept entrusting himself to God the Father because he knew that God obviously would, tr- would uh, work out things righteously. Now here you have a connecting phrase. First Peter 3 verse 1, in the same way. Just as we submit to government, just as we submit to bosses who may be difficult to deal with, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, there's some different views on what this means. This could be a man who claims to be a Christian and yet he is not obeying the word of God. Or this could be a general statement about an unbelieving husband, which some women find themselves in, where they, they married somebody who claimed to be a Christian at some point and has walked away from all uh, appearances from the faith. Or maybe you were married... While you were backslidden and you got right with the Lord, or maybe you were married uh, to a non-Christian before you were a Christian. So you might be in this situation, a husband disobedient to the word, that they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. Let not your adornment be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. Thus Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. I've been trying to convince Brenda of this for years, but she's not going with the program. Just kidding. 
I don't even go there. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. Here's the fear, I think, implied in the text. If I follow him, where is he going to take us? That's the fear. Now, since Sarah is the model in the, in the text, we know that Sarah sometimes followed Abraham into some difficult spots. For example, we remember that Abraham lied about who Sarah was, and she ended up in the tent of uh, the king, and uh, God had her back, though. Remember, the Lord appeared to the king in a dream and said, if you touch her, I will kill you. How's that for having somebody's back, right? And then the king comes to Abraham and says, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Well, you know. And so God had Sarah's back. And, And I think a woman who is more godly than her husband following Christ has this fear. What if he leads us to disaster? And I think there is a promise here, but the promise in this text is not a wife following an unbelieving husband. It's following a husband that at this point in Abraham's journey, as much as he was the father of faith that we should follow, had a hiccup. And Sarah went with the program and God protected her. Now, submission does not mean that you follow your husband into sin. Submission does not mean that you become his doormat. Submission does not mean that you are you know, at his whim to do what is evil and wrong. But submission does mean that you submit to him out of the fear of the Lord and because that is what you are called to do if you want to be an obedient Christian woman. That's the bottom line. Now, I mentioned we'll get to the guys in a moment, and when we get to the guys, we're going to talk about their responsibility, but with that thought of their responsibility, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. So just a few books back towards the gospel, and notice what it says here. It says in verse 17, Hebrews 13, obey your leaders, Hebrews 13, 17. This is speaking of spiritual leadership in the church now, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and do what? Submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. May I submit something by analogy that I think is true. This is my personal take. I'll leave it to you. I believe in the same way that a pastor will give an account to God for the sheep that he has led, whether he's done it well or poorly. I believe that a husband is going to give an account to God for how he has led his wife and his children. In the pastoral epistles, when Paul is talking about spiritual leadership in the church, he gives a a one-to-one correspondence between leadership in the home and leadership in the church. And what he says is, if a man cannot lead his home... He cannot lead the church. That's the first test of leadership. We all say, in Christian circles, go back to Ephesians, that your home is your first church, amen? That's what we say. We say that a man is a spiritual leader of his house, that he's to lead the family towards Christ. I believe, gentlemen, and I I think that this is something that we need to hear with some sober reflection, that we will give an account to God for the way that we have led our wives and children whether we've led them closer to Christ or farther away from Christ. You have been given that role of spiritual leadership. And so for those who follow uh, dads who are leading the house, 
husbands that are leading the house. We are trying to encourage leadership. In in the Hebrews text, we saw that it would be unprofitable for a church member to make it difficult for a spiritual leader. And in the same way, it is unprofitable for a wife to make it difficult for a husband to lead her well. Now we know from the book of Genesis that this was going to be a problem from Jump Street. Amen? The fall brought some of this problem in and there, there is language that I think most of you have studied in the past that a woman will tend to want to dominate her husband and a husband will have leadership over the wife but there's going to be tension in that relationship. And I think anybody who's been married for any length of time senses that tension. It's difficult to fall into rank, as it were, and live out the plan of God, not just in marriage, but in a lot of areas of our lives. They really come down to whether or not we're going to trust God in terms of obedience. And so this is the call of a wife. She is to be subject to her husband as to Christ in everything. Now that is uh, the hard-to-swallow verses for the first part of this text. I was reading in... uh, Proverbs 18.22, and I remembered the verse, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So I want to encourage you that marriage is a good thing. It's a good thing. I've been married to my lovely bride for 23 years. I count myself a blessed man. Uh, I am married to a godly, strong, beautiful woman in every respect of that word. I love her more today then I loved her the day that I spoke my vows to her. The depth of the intimacy I share with my wife, no one's going to know except God. But I'll tell you this, I am so glad that Brenda Lance is in my life. But if you had a camera on the Lance household every week, since this pulpit will be an honest place, it's not perfect. We have our struggles. We're two different people. She's a very organized, regimented person. I'm a fly by the seat of my pants. Let's go! And she'll think of everything that needs to happen. Right? We are very different. Our personalities are different. Our likes are different in terms of hobbies and that kind of thing. But you know what? We have learned something about marriage. And this is probably one of the most important things I'll say to you tonight. That our marriage and the quality of our marriage is built upon the quality of our relationship with Jesus Christ. When I said yes to Brenda, I was saying yes to God. I was saying that I'm going to love my wife through thick and thin. I've told my wife and my children, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. And if we fight, we're going to fight from our covenant. And we do fight. And pastors who tell you, I've never fought with my spouse. I don't know what planet you're living on, okay? You know? We disagree sometimes. That's what I mean by fighting. We, we have our disagreements, but we've learned our styles. We learn our buttons, what not to push, how to allow each other space. We've learned a lot about each other, and we know each other well enough to know we can even fight fair from the foundation of the covenant. What I tell people a lot of times in premarital counseling is, you know what, if you want to be able to fight fair, you have to anticipate conflict in marriage. It's going to happen but fight from the foundation of the covenant. If you need to go cool off for a couple of hours, but your spouse knows that you're totally committed to them, it's cool. It's when we have this looming threat of divorce always raging over marriages that people get in trouble because that brings insecurity. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You have to anticipate conflict in marriage. It's going to happen. But fight from the foundation of the covenant. If you need to go cool off for a couple of hours, but your spouse knows that you're totally committed to them, it's cool. It's when we have this looming threat of divorce always raging over marriages that people get in trouble because that brings insecurity and it brings this question mark always hovering over the relationship. Is he going to leave? You know, they did a study and they interviewed junior hires and they asked junior hires what your number one fear is on the junior high playground. They didn't say bullies. They didn't say fitting in with the latest clothing. They said, are my mom and dad going to get a divorce? Number one fear on the junior high playground. We all know, many of us come from divorce homes. I come from a divorce home. We know the difficulty in keeping marriages together, but we know what happens when divorce occurs. Now, let me say this as well. If you've gone through a divorce, God can heal anything. God can resurrect. He's a powerful God. He can bring healing where there was uh, stuff torn apart. So don't get me wrong here. But I do want to say to you that there is something sacred when it comes to marriage that I think in our culture, especially when marriage you know, is being attacked and redefined in so many ways, that we need to recapture it. And so let's move to the husbands, 25. And all the wives said, whew, amen. Husbands, love your wives. Here's another just as. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. I want to say this to the men. Your leadership in the home is not about domination. If that's you, if you think that passages about submission of a wife mean you can dominate her, you have missed the whole picture. That is not what this is about. When a husband is called to love his wife as Christ loved the church, can you imagine the depth at which the Bible, the Holy Spirit, God is calling you to love her? 
He's saying for you to love her as Jesus Christ loves his bride. And the language goes on to say, and gave himself up for her. So it's not about dominating, it's about dying. The biggest battle a man has as he lives in his marriage, we can be very selfish, we'll admit it, I'll admit it for all the men, we can be very selfish, and we can tend to want to dominate or try to find wiggle room in terms of some of these passages, but your, your leadership in the home is not about domination, it is about dying. When you begin to die for your bride, when you begin to lay down your rights for her, you're going to find something quite interesting, gentlemen, and this is a learning process for all of us. Your wife is going to begin, begin to respond to you dying for her. There's going to be a response from her as you lay down your rights for her and you love her. I've been confused for years by, um, for example, why a woman cries so much. I don't understand that. I've cried probably, you know, you can put it on a couple of hands. Now, that doesn't make me some Mr. Macho, but I just don't quite get that. My wife cries fairly regularly. So one time I asked her, why do you cry? I figured after about 10 or 20 years it was worth asking the question. (laughs) And she said, I cry to purge. And And I said, what? She said, you know, sometimes life just gets to be too much. You go out and hit that little golf ball or you hit the racquetball against the wall or scream at the TV when your team's not playing well. I cry. And I said, okay, so when you're crying, what do you want me to do? Because you know what I do. The first thing I do is say, who did it and where are they? So I can go and take care of them. I said, was it one of the kids? I'll kill them. Right. Take care of my lady. She says, no, all I want you to do is hold me and let me cry on your shoulder. You don't need to fix it. Just let me purge. Boy, that's hard as a man. Because immediately, so that's when I have to lay down my man kind of stuff. Because I really, frankly, and I'll speak for all men, I don't get that. But that's what my wife tells me happens. And so I need to be able to say, now, think, think of the picture this way. If I were to go um, to the throne of God and pour out my heart, what would I want from my Savior? Now, I do want him to fix things, but, but you know, he, a big part of my relationship with the Lord is he hears me when I call. He doesn't always fix every problem that I have, but he, he comes and he joins me in the problem. He joins me in the fire. I think that's what our wives are saying a lot of times, gentlemen. Just join me in the fire. I want you to know my heart. I want you to understand what I'm going through. Um, This is what it's all about. D.L. Moody said, if I wanted to find out whether a man was a Christian, I wouldn't ask his pastor, I would ask his wife. If a man does not treat his wife right, I don't want to hear him talk about Christianity. What is the use of his talking about salvation for the next life if he has no salvation in this one? Close quote. Wow. Wow. And so there are obviously a lot of lessons for us to learn in terms of this glorious picture that the Lord paints. And so he says, Husbands, lay down your life for her, 26, that he might sanctify her. And you're, you're going to notice that the, the language kind of shuffles back and forth between Christ and the husband, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water 
with the word. Now this verse has brought up all kinds of different takes on what this means. One take is obviously that a husband's job is to wash his wife with the word of God. And so this certainly would be uh, that there should be devotions in terms of husband and wife and family devotions and that kind of thing. But that he might set her apart, look at verse 26, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. One of the things in the ancient weddings, and I described this um, a couple of weeks back, is a woman, when she was betrothed to a man, she would go into a mikvah, kind of an ancient uh, baptism tank. She would be set apart by virtue of that water uh, rite to be set apart totally for her husband. And she would be being uh, uh, told by her mother and others in the community how to love her husband. In Titus chapter, I think it's chapter 2, the older women are to show, to show the younger women how to what? Love their husbands, how to take care of their family and all that kind of thing. That's what they did in these Jewish households. So there is an idea here in 26. See the, the word sanctify her? that has the idea of setting her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. In spiritual leadership, it is important that a husband makes sure that, uh, cr- that the spiritual things of the household are a priority. Uh, I see a lot of households, frankly, today where the woman is the spiritual leader of the house. And the man is sometimes nowhere to be found or he is a nominal believer. That's not what we want. If you've been given spiritual headship in a relationship, you might want to be able to be a good leader in that situation. Now, sometimes it takes time. I know that there are certain women who have married men that are not quite there, but they're growing, and that's okay. And if you're at a different place, spiritually speaking, the man can grow and he can get to a place where he needs to be. But ultimately, the position of leadership has been given to the man and he is to sanctify her and cleanse her by the washing of water with the word. You've been listening to The Mystery of Marriage, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening to Walk in Truth on this station. But please continue listening here because, well, this station is honoring the Lord by serving many more ministries in addition to ours. And you'll get to hear the latest broadcast from Pastor Michael. Walk in Truth is also available on your podcast app. It's on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many others. And you can listen to all of Pastor Michael's previous teachings. We have Pastor Michael's teachings on the book of Job, Psalms, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, Galatians, Revelation, and many more. Listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. So as you learn about marriage, you may be asking the question, well, how do we implement decision-making? You know, I've been married to my beautiful wife for 31 years now. There's been very few times when I had to make an autonomous decision without her. Like, okay, honey, this is the way I think that we should go. We've done most of what we've done together because we need each other. And I think good leadership uh, means you include your spouse. It doesn't mean that you just run roughshod over her. You don't 
get counsel from her. Gentlemen, any of you who have been married for a while know that your wife has tremendous discernment. Now, she may be more uh, averse to taking a risk, or maybe she's more of a risk taker than you. Um, God can use the differing personalities to actually make us stronger and better together. I will tell you, my wife has often put things before me that I haven't thought through, and uh, she has great discernment. And so it's just wise to make decisions together. And if you, on a rare occasion, have to make that final decision as a husband, I'm sure she'll follow you knowing that you've prayed through it and sought her counsel and all of that good stuff. So I think that's a very rare situation. And I wouldn't focus so much on that as I would that you are one in Christ. The two become one and you're doing life together. Well, speaking of doing life together, one of the best things that you can do as a family is go to church together. And we have two Sunday morning services here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. The Church Living Truth in Corona is located at 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Now, if you want to find out information and directions and you'd like to join us, what you hear on the radio is really what's coming from the pulpit of Living Truth in Corona. You can call 844-48-TRUTH, that's 844-48-TRUTH, or get driving directions to the church when you go to walkintruth.com and click on the church tab. Well, have a tremendous weekend. Make sure you go to church. Hey, thanks for praying for us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all of you who partner with us. We love you. Have a wonderful, beautiful weekend, and we'll see you right here on Monday. And join us on Monday for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, called The Mystery of Marriage. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.